0: Welcome home, this is Audio EXP for the 25th of January 2020 and the title of this episode is Another D&D Leak? Let's talk about leaks. Audio EXP is Native's highlight show and in the few months that the podcast has been going for I've noticed how often this means talking about news that no one planned for. Last week, that meant wrapping up on the news of the D&D leak that turned out to be Matt Morse's critical rolebook for Wizards of the Coast. It's a complete surprise that a headline from this week is another D and D leak. First, though, let's be clear about the word "leak." Other people and I have been using it as a shorthand. We mean news that is not officially announced or unscheduled and unexpected news. But that's a bit of a loose definition. I know. I think leak might sometimes refer to situations where an insider is deliberately and covertly breaking secrets. That's not what is going on with Wizards of the Ghost. The Explorer's Guide to Widermont leak happened because retailers put bits and pieces of information up early and gamers noticed. Well, the same thing has happened again, but on a different scale. The London Toy Fair was on this week, and in it, distributors had D&D games that neither Hasbro nor Wizards of the Coast had told us about. There are two names, Dungeons & Dragons Adventure's Gate and Dungeons and & Dragons Adventure Begins. In all likelihood, this is the same game. It's a board game that uses 5e classes and appears to be a bit of a gateway product into D&D proper. No doubt we'll get some clarification shortly. Either through Hasbro or Wizards of the Coast who are or perhaps some of the distributors responsible for shipping and selling it to stores. Amazingly, that wasn't the only leak this week. Fantasy Flight Games seem to have one for their Lord of the Rings Journey into Middle Earth expansion. The game has had an expansion before, just not, not for a while. And had it not been for that, then maybe nobody would have arched an eyebrow when an Australian game site, The Gamesman, had listed the Shadowed Paths. Shadowed Paths isn't announced yet. But now we know it'll expand Journeys in Middle-Earth with a focus on the dark places. You know, the mines of Moria, Markwood and those sorts of places. There was even other D&D news that I think was more dramatic than the leak this week. DC Comics is getting back into D&D and doing D&D 5e for the first time. They have a fantasy comic book series called The Last God on DC Black Label. That means it's a mature series for readers 17 and up. DC's announcement is that the Last God Sourcebook will explore the world a bit more and offer up 5e stats for things and places and people. I think it's a great idea. But I think there's going to be a problem with expectations. My prediction is that this will be a comic book, thin paper, a two dozen pages or so, maybe twice that, but certainly not even close to a standard softcover RPG world book. So why is this a great idea? Well, I'm I'm biased as a gamer, of course, but I think this is a superb way to bring a fantasy realm to life for readers and to get those readers to invest into it. I think it is a low risk and high rewards gamble from DC, although the risk is higher for the Last God series itself. The worst case scenario is that this one comic book doesn't sell. The best case is that The Last God becomes a popular 5e setting, complete with Twitch streams and supplements. In contrast, this week also had news that Modiphius had partnered with Arcane Studios to launch a Dishonored RPG this year. Modiphius seemed to be the kings of licenses. If it's not bottled down, they're pitching for it and they seem to be winning more often than not. The exception might be Werewolf going to Hunters. Now, Dishonored is a steampunk computer game from Arkane Studios, and it was really popular with gamers. The tabletop RPG is going to be a 300-page luxury hardcover that comes complete with dice and cards. That is the contrast with DC's Last God. I imagine this is a non-trivial investment for both Modifius and Arcane. but I can't imagine what success looks like for them. How many copies will have to sell? How will the two companies coordinate to market it? Modiphius has a lot of balls in the air. I mean, for example, N-World asked their legion of readers what the most anticipated RPG of 2020 would be and Modiphius titles came up twice. Here's the top 10. In 10th place, there's Cortex Prime by Fandom Tabletop. That's the same company who run D&D Beyond. In 9th place, there's Fading Suns 4th Edition by Ulysses Spiel. In 8th place, there's the Stargate Roleplaying Game by Wyvern Gaming. In 7th place, Rivers of London by Chaosium. In 6th place, Swords of the Serpentine by Pelgrim Press. In 5th place, Warhammer Age of Sigmar by Cubicle 7. That's the Soulbound RPG. In 4th place, it's the Fallout RPG by Modiphius. In 3rd place, Cyberpunk Red by R. Tatazorian Games. Slightly odd, this one wasn't higher up. In second place, there's Vason, the Nordic horror role playing game by Free League Publishing. And this shows the amazing reputation of Free League can made for themselves. And in first place, there's Dune by Modifius. And we know nothing, almost nothing about this game, but here it is in the top spot. Let's just pick up on Cyberpunk Red being in third place. I think if you were to ask a random internet sample, rather than N-World D&D-leaning readers, I think this game would have been higher. Why? Well, just because it's so closely connected to the hype around Cyberpunk 2077, the now-delayed computer game sequel. There's also that connection to The Witcher. CD Projekt Red is the company behind both computer games, and the Netflix The Witcher series is red-hot right now. Our Tasorian Games this week released a free download, a one-shot cyberpunk adventure called Red Chrome Cargo, and it also released a new edition of the Witcher tabletop game Errata. I'm sure the free adventure will remind everyone that you can actually play Cyberpunk Red with the Jumpstart kit released last year. That Jumpstart kit was RPG's biggest seller. The new Witcher Errata is coming out simply because our Tazoyan games are about to do a second print run of and the game. <laughs> And very wisely, they were looking for errors to correct before they did so. Netflix announced not just a second season of The Witcher, but an animated movie called The Witcher, Nightmare of the Wolf, is being worked on. Both are great news for the tabletop RPG. There are a few more bits of Netflix news that caught my attention this week. First up was the Altered Carbon 2 teaser. I'm really pleased to see that Poe actor Chris Connor is back. I've not read the book, so I can't tell whether that's a surprise or not. It'll be Anthony the, the Falcon Mackie playing Takeshi Kovacs this time, thanks to the genre's body-swapping technology. The other bit of news is that Netflix in Europe and some parts of the world, but not America or Japan, will finally get their hands on Studio Ghibli titles. 21 classics. This will be a big help in the battle against Disney+, Plus as that rolls out around the world. Oh, Disney announced that Disney Plus would be launching a week earlier than planned here in the UK. You know, it's almost as if they were worried about spoilers. Or pirates. An area in which I think Netflix has an advantage over Disney Plus is the flexibility of brand. Disney is going to struggle with adult content, and that's why there's so much discussion over what happens with Deadpool. For example, we know Games Workshop is working on a Warhammer 40k TV series. I see that going to Amazon Video or Netflix. I struggle to see it in Disney Plus for lots of reasons. Speaking of Games Workshop media ambitions, this week they slyly announced a new show. It's true. A Games Workshop blog post about idents quoted their own head of media saying that they were working on a new show but not to quote him. But they quoted him anyway? That can't be a howl up, surely. So it must be an announcement of a new show, I think. I mean, Games Workshop, though, isn't the only British success in the news this week. Rebellion, the computer game makers and owners of George Dredd and 2000AD are too. In this case, they are in the news via the Treasury of British Comics, which is a 150 or so year old collection of British comic books. They bought it and they are now republishing Geek Native has a timeline of their 2020 releases and you'll find that in the show notes or via the transcript of the show which you can get to by searching for Geek Native Audio XP 28. To wrap up with some quick RPG news headlines. Green Ronin will bring Freeport to Fantasy Age. The announcement was made by Chris Pramus in Green Ronin's 20th anniversary statement. Freeport was a fantasy setting that put Green Ronin firmly on the map. Fantasy Age is the system that Pramus designed. In retrospect, it's weird it's taken so long for these two to meet. We had two excellent guest posts on the site this week as well. Ben and the genre police addressed music and tabletop games as a way of making them better and more memorable. B. Everett Dutton shared their thoughts into why emotion is the new frontier for tabletop RPGs. It took some critical swipes at some of the big title RPGs but found reason for optimism in the indie scene. Lastly, I want to be selfish and finish up on some data Geek Native put together. On the site now is an animated bar chart battle, showing the 20 most decorated tabletop publishers. In this case, we're counting gold NAs as decorations. The animated results show bar charts growing and sliding into position as the years take over from 2001. Pazio Publishing, the company behind Pathfinder, have an absolute dominant lead, but Wizards of the Coast have been more popular in recent years. Well, that's a wrap for this week. Until next time, take care.